This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to create better clients, a better practice, and a better life. This is Tom Wheelwright. I'm your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So what if you could successfully execute your most important plans? And even better, what if you could actually help your clients execute their most important plans that you might have helped them create? So today... We've got a very special guest. I'm very excited about this. We're going to discover together how to not only create a great plan, but how to actually get that great plan done and how to get other people, help other people get their plans done. Because as we all know, we create a lot of plans like tax plans and business plans and financial plans for our clients. And then if they don't do it, they're successful like 0% of the time, right? If they do it, they can be successful. If they don't, they're, they're not successful. So actually having an expert, I'm so excited about um, having our guest because having an expert on the line on how to help people actually follow through, and I'm not a big follow through guy. Um, I mean, I get things done, but you know, it's not like I'm going to, it has to get off my desk. I'm, I'm good with that. So having somebody like that is like magic to me. I'll get back to this in a second. Now I have something specifically for CPAs. What if you could discover a simple way to double your profitability in the next 90 days without adding any new clients? That's right. Whether you're a CPA, tax advisor, other tax professional, accountant, bookkeeper, in my newest resource, I will walk you through a simple five-step process that's proven to help you do just that. We have members of our network that have doubled their profitability in 90 days or less, and you can do this too. Now, to get your free copy, just go to wealthability.com slash CPA profit. That's wealthability.com slash CPA P-R-O-F-I-T. Get this new resource so that you can double your profitability in the next 90 days. So I am so excited to welcome Charlie Gilkey. Charlie has, um, I'm going to let Charlie uh, give a little bit of his background, but he's just got a wealth of experience and knowledge in getting things done, background in logistics and all sorts of interesting backgrounds. So Charlie, welcome to the show. And if you would just give us a little nutshell of what your background and why you're here. Great time. I'm super pumped to be here. And I'll keep my background a little short because I'm really jumping to get into the conversation. So what you got to know is um, I started a company called Productive Flourishing that helps creatives, entrepreneurs, and change makers start finishing more of the work that matters. And, you know, as I started this business, I was simultaneously an Army Joint Force Military Logistics Coordinator, which is a mouthful, but I basically made sure the Army, Navy, and Air Force were on the same sheet of music and, you know, doing our operations in sync. And I was also completing my PhD in philosophy. So I'm, a, I'm an ethicist and social philosopher. Um, and as I started Productive Flourishing, I really dove into the, um, the, the mystery of why we don't do the things we most want to do. It's really a paradox and that, that has been a rich well for me to go back to because, you know, Tom, doing things we don't want to do. That's pretty obvious why we don't do those, but it's the things we most want to do and that are most going to change our lives 
that we put off. And that's really fascinating. So that's what I'm coming to the conversation with. I've been doing this about 12 years. And as you mentioned, I just recently published the book, Start Finishing, How to Go From My Day to Done. That's awesome. So, so Charlie, I'm fascinated with this idea of combining logistics and philosophy. I think that's brilliant. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of life is really about philosophy and, and, and that um, side of things. So I love that. I actually have a brother with a PhD in philosophy as well. So here's the, the challenge that I know I have. We create a lot of plans for our clients. Again, like I said, they might be a tax plan, uh, you know, uh, how to reduce your taxes. It might be a plan for improving their business. It might be a plan for, you know, um, a financial type plan. All of these plans are good in their concept. I mean, you know, like we have a proven process for it. We know if people, when people follow through our plan, it's absolutely going to work 100% of the time. We also know that if people don't follow through our plan, it's going to work 0% of the time. So I'm fascinated with the idea of what is it that, you know, in a, in a nutshell, what is it that we have to do to help people and ourselves, because we all have our own plans, right? But how do we help people and ourselves actually follow through? And, it, it, you know, because you're talking about entrepreneurs. I mean, our clients are all entrepreneurs. And so they're all, almost all of them are the, the, these creative types that you talk about. And how do we, how, how do we get it? Actually, how do we get them to get it done? All right. So I'm going to break this up into sort of mindset, skill set, and then, you know, troubleshooting, because I think that's the way we have to think about this. Um, first off, and I think it might be easy for CPAs to forget, um, but anytime you attach a dollar sign to a number, you invoke a story. You invoke, um, you know, you can invoke people's head trash. You can invoke, and head trash is the term I use for the limiting beliefs, the cultural um, BS that we pick up, all the stories that we pick up. And so, you know, many people can look at a whole spreadsheet full of numbers and be just fine. But when we assign a dollar sign to those numbers and it's their personal finance, um, people's reasoning and people's ability to stick with it go haywire because it's no longer just about the rational numbers on the spreadsheet. It's about these deeper stories and meaning in their life. And I think, you know, I've, I've made enough plans with people that, you know, not financial plans, but things that like business model plans and things like that. One of the first things that, that I know that I got to get into is not about the numbers. It's about the stories, the mindset, the fears, the shame, you know, the regret, all of those deep emotions that keep people from going there. Just like, imagine it this way, Tom, like, a lot of us uh, or some of us may have, you know, clauses of heirlooms and, and things that our parents have given us that we don't really know what to do with. Conceptually, we know that we need to go in there, sort it and process and figure out what we want to keep and figure out what we want to let go of. Like, it's a very rational process, but those things are so deeply tied to our emotions and, you know, family relationships and stories that we can't do it. And so I think when you're seeing clients struggle with implementing a plan, Stop talking about the plan. Start talking about the story. So, Does that make sense, Tom? Yeah, I know. It makes ugh, makes all the sense in the world. In fact, I've written this down. Dollars invoke stories. I love that. So that that's going to be my rule number one from now on. Dollars invoke stories. Is I Because I see it with CPAs too, right? I mean, I see, you know, CPAs, one of the challenges that CPAs have is, okay, they want to they put in new billing systems or they want to change how they bill clients and now all the stories come up, right? Because now you've got dollars uh, associated with those stories. So I, I think that's great. So how do you, 
you know, what types of questions or how do you actually get them to tell you the story? Because they might um, not, they might even know they they may not even know the story themselves. They, I mean, it's it's there, but they may not even recognize it. Yeah, I think you start asking, you know, and um, I think one of the best things we could do in some of these relationships is become better coaches. And so I'm just going to recommend my good friend Michael Bungay Stanier's book, The Coaching Habit, because he's got one. He's got seven powerful questions in that book, but one of them is, "What's the real challenge here?" And um, I think asking that is going to, you know, is sort of two questions that'll have you ask, what's the real challenge? And then there's the, and what else question? Um, and you keep asking, you know, that, and what else question? I think you'll finally get deeper down because it's not, a, it's not that they don't understand the plan. It's that they can't engage with the plan emotionally. Right. And so, um, you know, part of it is just being able to say like, hey, I noticed that in a lot of these other areas of your life and business, you're able to execute plans really, really well. But on this particular one around this money piece, you seem to be putting it off or struggling and not getting into it. So like, what's the real challenge here? And just letting them tell you that story and diving into there. And you might find, you know, that it's going to come down to some of those thick common emotions like fear, shame, regret maybe a little bit of overwhelm. Um, and so another sort of pro tip here is whenever your clients say that they're overwhelmed, understand that you need to start talking about the load they're carrying. Because again, in the work that I do, when my clients say, hey, I'm overwhelmed, I say, okay, really, we're only overwhelmed when we're overloaded. We're really overwhelmed or we're only overwhelmed when we're overloaded. We can't really solve for the feeling, but we can solve for the load. So how do we change this plan? How do we change this way that you're understanding the world so that it doesn't seem as big, so it doesn't seem as heavy, or so it's not as big of a load? And again, I'm kind of scooting a little bit into skill set and practices, but I think you got to understand that like, if you're not addressing that layer of things, um, you're not getting to the real thing. And, and what I remind people over and over again is that if your planning process is not an emotional process, you're going to make a plan that no one will follow. Um, that's, that's, that, that's, (laughs) that's heavy. That's deep. I love that. So, so let me ask the, the obvious question, which is, so you've gotten them to open up about it. Mm -hmm. Then what? Then it's starting to ask questions around. So let's say that you figure out that they've got some shame because money and shame go together so right. much, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, they've got some shame in there. And so then you start talking about different ways that they can understand their situation that either removes that shame stigma and that shame story. Again, Brene Brown has a lot of work on dealing with shame. So right. if that's what we got to do to solve the problem, let's get there. Um, and so I think when people, um, let's, let's take a really specific example. Like I've noticed that many people who um, fall into what I call sudden money syndrome, like they inherit a lot of money right. super quickly, right? It invokes a lot of shame for them. Like they're happy about it, right. but they're so also So they have ashamed. to get rid of it. They have to get rid of it right. or they have to hide from it or they have to like not invest it in a way that make them richer because they didn't earn it and they're ashamed about the money that they have, so on and so forth. So you really got to get into that context and say like, look, you know, think about, so in that very specific context, the conversation might be like, but think about if you were leaving this money for your kids or for your family, like, would you want them to feel the shame? How would you want them to feel? Right. How would you want them to be and exist and, and use this money? And a lot of times that's just enough to be like, oh, this is a gift that I got. And not accepting the gift is completely spitting into my forebear's face. 
right? It's completely telling my dad who, or my mom who left me this money, like, you know what? I don't want this gift. I'm not going to use it. But she worked super hard for that, right? And so we can either reverse the polarity of shame, or we could say, like, would you be more ashamed to refuse a gift and refuse using it well, or to take the gift and use it well? Which we, so we, we can either do the apples to apples, i.e., we show that there are different ways to understand how that shame may be applied, or we can sort of remove that shame story um, in the ways. And I know, you know, um, people who deal with money every day have a, probably a better way of in, invoking that. But I'm going to say if you're not at that level of the conversation, you're not going to get them to do the plan because the next day or, you know, as soon as they leave your office or as soon as they get off that phone call, they've got other things that are right in front of them that tie deeper into ways that they can feel like they can get into it or they can engage with, or maybe they don't feel that shame or, or, and whatever or, they, or that make, make them feel better about themselves because if it's not making them feel good about themselves, you know, a couple of things kind of came to my mind as I, as I was listening to you and that's first of all, the term filthy lucre, right? So this is, it's dirty, yeah. you know, it's, we wash ourselves of dirt so if the if the idea is is that this is filthy, oh my heavens, we'd better get we'd better get rid of it right now. And yeah. we I, I mean we see this all the time. All the, I mean yeah. and I will be honest, I I've seen it in myself and it's something I've actually spent years and thousands of dollars working through. But one of the things that I've noticed is I have done and I've done a lot of personal development the last um, 15 years is that once we bring it out, all of a sudden we can deal with it. And one of the challenges I think we have is that it's not only the client that's pushing it under, we're pushing it under because we don't want to deal with it either because we've got our own things to deal with and we have our own shame and our own issues, um, our own story when it comes to money. And it seems to me that maybe one of the first things we have to do is actually look at our own story about money. You know, I'm so glad you say that. There's sort of two things that I want to add here. Um, one is um, a, a process. Name it, claim it, tame it, right? So name what the pattern is, claim that you have it, and then you can start to tame it. But if you don't name it and claim it, it's going to continue to work with you in the in the lurks, you know, in the background of your mind. And the thing about some of these shame stories and the head trash is it always seems absurd when we pull it to light. It always seems absurd. Except when we're not talking about it, it's working on us as if it were true, as if it were how we actually believe. And so I call them sometimes operating assumptions, that some people's operating assumptions differ than what they actually think. But when you look at how they make decisions, it's those operating assumptions. And so if, you know, to go back to your money, if the money they inherited is filthy and dirty or they're ashamed about it, they may not consciously believe and consciously think like, oh, wow, this is dirty money. Like I'm now a mobster or come up with some sort of story like that. But when you look at how they operate, they're either going to try to get rid of it super quickly or they're going to try to avoid dealing with it at all because it's dirty. We're just going to put it somewhere. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to engage with it. And then, you know, all the bad things that happen when people have just you know, cash sitting in a bank account, not actually working for them. And so name it, claim it, tame it. The second thing is, if you spot it, you got it. And this is one of those things where when you notice that you're dealing with a client and something super powerful is coming up for you in their situation, it's probably a mirror of what you're feeling yourself. 
and that's some work that goes to your point time. Like if you start notice like, Oh man, this, Oh, it seems like that would feel super shameful or it seems like I would be embarrassed or it seems like that. Right. What you're seeing in them is actually what you feel. Right. And so it's okay to feel that, but no, but avoiding it because it's uncomfortable for you does your clients no service. Right. Um, and so it's just understanding that, yeah, I'm going into this sort of awkward space. Like if you see a client and you feel all the regret that they're feeling about money that's been sitting in a bank account for 15 years, but what's actually happening is you remember that time that you did the same thing, right? Um, cause you didn't know what to do with your situation. Again, avoiding that because it's uncomfortable isn't, I think not a service to your client going into it and saying like, look, I understand this can be difficult and this may be what's going on. Um, that I think is how you dislodge some of this head trash and some of these stories that keep them anchored where they are and keep them from actually dealing with the plan. Because at a certain point, and I, we haven't talked about this, but I think it's relevant time is to talk about sort of the no win scenarios that we create for ourselves. And there are generally four types, um, but there's some that there's one that's um, especially important for money. So I'll go through the four of them, then I'll home in on that one. So the four, the first one is success will wreck my relationships, right? So if I'm successful, I'm going to be a worse father. I'm going to be a worse husband. I'm going to be a worse mom, or I'm not going to be able to hang out with my friends or my kids or whatever. So we have that story that success comes at the cost of the relationships. The second one is the success versus integrity one. This is the one that I think people get stuck on around money. And this is the nice guys finish last story or the real artists don't make money stories or the rich and wealthy people have gotten their rich and wealth, uh, their, their, their wealth by cheating, lying, like stealing um, and stepping on other people. So I'll come back to that one. Third one is if I'm successful, I won't be able to replicate it. And there will be a, a far fall from grace from this level of success that I've met to the bottom of back where, you know, P.S. I'm supposed to be. And then the fourth one is success will cost me my health, my sanity or something else, you know, that really matters. And so in each of these no win scenarios, it's basically success will cost me something that matters to me. And in those situations, we sort of strive for this gray mediocrity where we're neither really like, <laughs> we're neither really. I, I love that. We, we strive for mediocrity. I, I, I love that. I, I think it's, you know, I, yeah. I, I love myself. So I'm going to have you go back to number two, because you said you wanted to go back to number two. But before we go back to number two, what, what, what kind of strikes me is, reminds me that we, so we've been working on developing a network of CPAs and we just started about a year ago, just a little over a year ago. And we're, we have like 25 members in our network now. And our, our goal is huge. I mean, our goal is 10,000. And what, what's fascinating about this last year is that when we started it because we had too many clients that we couldn't handle as many clients as we were bringing in just because our plan does work. And so we needed, you know, a, a, some place to send them that people were trained and that's why we started. But what we found is that the biggest win, biggest wins people have had in this journey that they're going on is in their own personal development. It's mm -hmm. had nothing to do with new clients. In fact, I would say a good, I mean, a lot of, a lot of our members just qualified in the last month 
to receive clients from us. They just were, were trained. And yet, if you hear them talk, we did a, we did a three-day training um, uh, a little bit ago with um, about 50 CPAs in the room. And if you hear the members talk, none of them were talking about the new clients. Every one of them was talking about how their business had changed and how they had changed. And so when I hear this, you know, I, I, I love what you're talking about because I've, I've, what I've discovered is, because I discovered it first for myself, because I won't do anything with somebody else I haven't done. And when I discovered it for myself, and then I actually found out that, guess what? It's not just me, right? There are other people that need the personal development, that it's the personal development side that has the biggest impact on our business. It's not the other way around. It's not like business will solve our personal development issues. Our personal, going through that personal development solves the business issues. And it, it's fascinating to me because I, I know for one, I've been one, I've pushed that money away before. Okay. I mean, you know, if you, and if you look at most very successful entrepreneurs, they've lost everything at least once, maybe twice, maybe three times. And so yeah. it seems to me like what I'm hearing is, well, that's, that's just pushing that money away saying, okay, I, I can't have this. And the, the last time that I started, that I, I went down and I recovered, I'm going, I do not want to do this again. And that's when I really started focusing on this. So this, this whole idea is great. I, I don't always take a lot of notes when I do a podcast. I've got to tell you, Charlie, I'm taking like pages of notes here as fast as I can write. And I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast over and over. And I hope everybody else does too. So outside my little squirrel here, um, let's go back to number two, because you said you wanted to really hit that one hard. Yeah, I'm going to pause. I, I, I made like a conversation map myself, so I'll be able to come back to that. But what I wanted to say about um, what you just said is I think we forget the reason why personal development can be such the game changer is because it actually ties into the meaning of our lives. And it's too easy in business, whether you're a CPA helping clients or those clients themselves, it's too easy to get in a position to where you're working for the business, but the business is not working for you, right? And when you start working on some of these personal development issues, what actually happens, um, and you know, I'm an executive coach and I work with small business owners, so I see this time and time again, what actually happens is people orient and be like, wait a second. I have made the business like my metric of success, like business metrics, a measure of success, but I should have been making my own happiness, my own meaning, my own purpose, the metric of success, and then made the business serve that. And once you make that shift, I think a lot of people start changing their businesses in ways that work for them. And so sometimes, you know, you might go to a position where they started a program that was about client acquisitions. And then they realized, like, wait a second, I've got enough clients I don't actually like working with, or I've right. got enough clients to do what I already want to do. I don't need that. I need to be focusing on these other aspects of my business that make my life better. And that fundamental shift is a game changer for so many people. No, and no, it is. I mean, it's actually where we came up with our, our tagline, which is, you know, better clients, better practice, better life. Exactly. It, that's really what it's about, right? Yeah. It's, it's not about, there's nothing in there about more money, right? Mm -hmm. Bigger practice. It's about let's, let's, you know, sometimes, you know, that better, you know, you're right. I mean, a lot of, a lot of CPAs, we have clients, we go, you know what? These clients don't work for us and we frankly don't work for them. 
So yeah. that's something yeah. where that's one of the first things, actually, that's one of the first things we go through with our members is, okay, how do we, how do we deal with that? Because they're so afraid. I mean, we're, we're so afraid of losing something. Okay. Mm-hmm. That we forget that when we lose something, then it opens up space so that we can gain something. Like when we clean out our closet, now we have space where we can, Oh, wow. That's, that's, you know, that's a really nice shirt. I'm a shopper. So it's a, you know, that's something, boy, I would love that. Well, if you don't have any room in your closet, it's really hard to put stuff in there. And the same thing is true in our business. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the key things that I talk about in the book is the idea of displacement, which is what you just hit, is that, you know, I'll talk about the five projects rule, which is no more than five active projects per time perspective and time perspective being like a week or a month or a quarter. And people struggle with it at first because we keep wanting to take on more and more and more, but we're not actually doing the, we're not doing the projects. We're not, we're not, we're just carrying more, but not, not actually using more. So um, yeah, we have to think in terms of displacement. I'm sort of rolling back the conversation though um, about success versus integrity. Let's talk about how many stories, how many spiritual stories, how many religious stories, how many cultural stories basically say, if you have money, you are a bad person. Right. If you have money, you have a very low chance of getting into heaven. Yep. If you have money, then, you know, you're one of those one percenters that, you know, scheme so on and so forth. So if that is the cultural stew in which we're, we're sort of being cooked in, it makes a lot of sense that when people start getting money, they don't want to keep it. It's dirty. They don't want to be those types of people. They don't want to be, you know, all those types of things. And so this thing that, I mean, in our society is schizophrenic about it as well. So on the one hand, we really like valorize people who have a lot of money. On the other hand, we tell everybody that they're cheats and scams and corrupt and so on and so forth, right? And so clients end up getting stuck. People end up getting stuck about this whole money thing. That's why I said earlier, you, you put a dollar sign, you invoke a story because you immediately tap into these cultural and personal stories that people have going on. And so, um, you really have to understand that because, again, if your clients have created – they're holding on to that no-win story or that no-win scenario where if they get more money, they are becoming less of the virtuous person, less of the you know person with integrity that they want to be, then they're always going to be just kind of you know halving it, you know, kind of like not really engaged, kind of telling you, Tom, like, yeah, yeah, I'm working on the plan. I'm, I'm getting to it. But really, they're not, because at the end of the day, they don't deeply want that outcome, because that outcome of wealth and prosperity also makes them think that they're going to have character, integrity, or virtue issues that come along with it. Does that make sense, Tom? Uh, my, oh, <laughs> that makes all the sense of the world to me. Um, and so here's, here's where we are. I love, I mean, we've actually... As I, I told Charlie before we started, uh, I was telling him that we always want to have, you know, two or three really good nuggets that you can act on. I'm, I've got like 12, right, already um, little nuggets we can act on. And we're going to be about out of time here. So what I'm going to um, what I'm going to do is I, I, I want to kind of tie this up. But then I would actually like to have you back, Charlie. Would you come back on the podcast another time? 
I would love to come back and we can do, you know, Tom, you would not be the first person to say, I think we need to do like two or three parts of this conversation. So <laughs> I, pre I appreciate that. It, I mean, it's deep stuff, but that's the thing that I want people to take away is, you know, to the particular challenge that not challenge the conversation that we started with, we approach planning from a cerebral space. Right. We need to be approaching it from a heart space. Mm -hmm. We need to be approaching it from that and understand that like your clients are smart people. They're driven people. They know how to get stuff done. There is something else going on and it's not the plan. And once you realize that you can stop talking about the plan and start talking about what actually has them stuck. I love that. Uh, you know, I will uh, uh, freely admit um, I don't think any of anybody who's listening when we started this conversation, including me, thought we would end up discussing what we're discussing. So I love this because this is actually a focal point of what I've actually been doing personally for several years. And I've got a long ways to go. OK, I'm, I'm not there yet. And it's something that I've watched our members go through. And I think that, you know, when I, I think about. You know, now I, now what I have to do is go back. I think about the clients. I'm going, okay, what clients have not done it? You know, because my clients tend to actually follow through on the plan. Every once in a while, I get one or two that don't. And mm -hmm. so, you know, this whole idea that we have to um, ask what the real challenge is, what's the real issue going on and what else and then to, you know, I love this name it, claim it, tame it. I had not heard that before. So I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, and then if you spot it, you got it. I, you know, if I think if our listeners could take those, even just those three things away, that really delving in and this idea that you mentioned, Charlie, that, that there's something else going on. If they're not doing the plan because these are successful people, if they're not doing it, then something else is going on and we'd better find out what's going on because we're never going to be successful. What I'm hearing is you tell me if I've got this right. We're never going to be successful with those clients. If we don't first get to basically what story is underneath them not doing it. I think you might have some small successes with clients, but I don't think you're going to have the, the big biggest, the big success that you can have with those clients. And, you know, to, I know we need to wrap things up here, but I'm, I'm going to say it this way. Like, keep think about it this way, Tom. We don't need an accountability system. We don't need accountability buddies. We don't need a big plan to eat ice cream, right? If it's in front of us, <laughs> right. we eat it, right? Exactly. And so the, the insight there, and I know there's a lot going on, but the insight there is if you haven't actually tied the goal and the plan to something that your client really wants and really you know, probably find some joy in or find some meaning in, you're always going to be, you know, sort of that, that person that's pulling them along and dragging them and pulling them as opposed to the person that's running behind them. And you've had those clients, Tom, where it's like, you tell them that they get it, their purpose is aligned, so on and so forth. And they will go make the changes in their schedule to make it happen. Oh, right. Because sure. we, we only change when the outcome um, is more, um, the outcome is so much greater than the discomfort of change, right? That's the only time we change. And so if you are asking people to go into this quote unquote, like filthy money conversation or the shame field or this heavy money conversation, that's a big, like, there's a lot of discomfort there. They really have to see the outcome of them doing it to be so much greater 
than this discomfort. Otherwise, it immediately goes to the bottom of the list and they're going to focus on something else that they're more comfortable with. So I have to tell you, Charlie, you just make me feel really good right there. You don't know, you don't know why I'm going to tell you. And that is because the very first thing we do with a client is find out what's their dream. Mm -hmm. And we actually go through a process. And, and what I find sometimes is that our CPAs who are doing it, they don't quite believe that dream part of it. And I, I've told people, I've told my staff over and over again, it is all about the dream. I mean, it's, it's not that the dream is the first part. The dream is the entire part because uh, I've had people um, literally um, come up to me after I've gone through a, a process to help them with their dream and in tears that they just never, ever gone through that before. So I, I think that we, we, I love this idea that it has to be emotional for them. It has to be. If it's not emotional, it's not valuable. And it's never going to happen. So thank you for sharing, Charlie. I, I, again, we will absolutely have you back. I would. I just love this conversation. This is right up my alley, but not where I thought it was going to be up my alley. And I love that. I love that kind of surprise. It's a, it's a terrific surprise. Charlie, if you could let everybody know, how do we get in touch with you? How do we learn more about what you're doing? All right. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show, Tom. It's been a blast and I'm super happy to come back for the next part of the conversation. Um, if you're interested in the book, you can go to startfinishingbook.com, all one word, startfinishingbook.com. You can um, download a sample chapter so you really can see what you're getting into. If, if you know what you're getting into is more, more of the same here. My broader body of work is at productiveflourishing.com, and that's the best way to find out what I've got, I've got going on. If you're a social media type, Charlie Gilkey on Twitter is the best place to find me. Awesome. Thank you again, Charlie. Thanks everyone for listening. Remember that, you know, when we start understanding what the real story is, when we find out what the real issue is with us and with our clients, we're always going to have better clients, a better practice, and a better life. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.